4: only on PBS.
2: So hungover was I today that I went to therapy and when I got there they were looking very confused.
0: Were you scheduled to or you are just like this is a bad hangover? <laughs> <laughs> Listen doc <laughs> I've done
2: something I'm not proud of. <laughs> it was fucking five in the morning and then like got out of bed and got there and everyone was like yeah you,
0: Joy's on holidays this week
2: and I was like oh my god she is.
0: What I a actually... sentence as well Joy is on holidays <laughs> <laughs> this week. <laughs>
2: My name is Dave Hanrody and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 181 of the No Encore Music Podcast. This week we will be looking at the new album from Taylor Swift. I'll be talking to Clown from Slipknot. A clown interviewing a clown. Get your gags out early, guys. Jeez. And uh, various other stuff as well. Very newsy. All the kind of stuff happening. he's in the studio with me. Hey. How are you? <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hey. And uh, back from New York City. Woo! <laughs> 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 back from getting on his hands and knees in, a, in an art gallery Or a museum
0: Oh yeah Yeah the Met yeah. Yeah. It's the great, great for Patrick everyone Met. Yay I'm hey, back oh, yeah, We're about back from the Americas finally Yes yeah. uh, You had a good time? Great yeah very refreshed um, Yeah I love being back in New York um, This is the first time that we've all been in the same room been for, for fucking me- ages, ages. Yeah, is it? A
2: month It's probably a month Yeah it's, it's yeah. about a month now Jesus uh, I hope, hope it goes well <laughs> Jesus, maybe we've lost it. Hope we have some chemistry together. Uh, yeah, so it was just a just a standard uh, transatlantic break, much like mine, I guess.
0: Yeah, it was a bit impromptu. Um, I'd kind of I've been over it a few times, so didn't do much of the usual touristy stuff. Um, finally, got into like some Brooklyn scenester stuff. I essentially turned into like a vegan jazz lover for a week. which is close enough but is anyone surprised I had the best burger (laughs) of my life and it was a vegan burger wow some amazing amazing places in Brooklyn Uh, Champs it's called Champs Diner you go nice. in, they're like playing Waze Blood, and they're just like—is yeah, it like a ways. classic diner vibe? It's kind of got a like a yeah subverted <laughs> classic diner thing. <laughs> it's really good. Um, I was in the Met as well, yeah, which was hilarious because uh, I stumbled upon the Notes on Camp exhibition. Do you remember we d- did that news story about like Frank Ocean and Kanye oh, West yeah. being at the Met Gala and not being camp enough, <laughs> and I was being like, um. So w- the actual definition of camp. So I walked into the Met, and there's like all these actual definitions up, and I'm just. Like oh my god, we were way <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, it was a great trip. There you I go. saw some That's jazz, so saw some. I don't know. Did not. you go?
2: Did you go to that like King Crimson guitarist basement? No, gig? I never, No,
0: I didn't. I didn't. Um, I went to like the Brooklyn version of Wheelands and saw like Iggy Pop's mates they were good I saw Electric Youth who did Real Hero that was very good wow. that was in Williamsburg and it was essentially like remember we were joking about the Twin Peaks like revival the fucking Roadhouse gigs were essentially like Brooklyn hipsters I'm pretty sure it was just those extras it was totally that funny we watched it it was great <laughs>
2: I uh, didn't really mention some of the more musical aspects oh, of yeah. my holiday in Toronto on the last episode. Uh, two things I probably should mention are one, I went to see uh Double Bill at the Budweiser Stage, which was a uh, Corn and Allison Chains. <laughs> wow. <laughs> which was incredible. <laughs> the venue is so weird, the amphitheater. It's like the first rows are seated and then, like, it goes up into the hill and then it's standing. It looks like something you'd expect, like, you know, Jim Jones to be there killing people or something. It's just really weird. Uh, But it was good crack. Uh, Both bands were smart and played the fucking hits for the most part. Yeah. And it was just great fun. And also, like, because it's, like, sponsored by Budweiser, uh, like, they're selling Budweiser, which obviously is disgusting. But Bud Light is actually okay. Is it? It's actually fine. It genuinely is. And they have these fucking massive 740 milliliter cans that are huge oh, and it's nice. like two please and after two you're just like goosed <laughs> uh, so yeah but it was great good crack uh, very much enjoyed some great songs by both bands corn still have it uh, I'm, I ha- I'm not going to throw them on Spotify or nothing but it was a bit of crack nice uh, on top of that though on my last day I went to the Royal Ontario Museum the ROM as they call it and while I was there and um, you pay like twenty three dollars in or whatever and it's a fucking cool museum it has like everything it has like fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex skeletons and everything and just lo- loads of cool things from, from, from all kinds of cultures you uh, working for them now <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're there something for all the family <laughs> if you're, there, if you're there tell them dave sent you but uh so basically while i was there there was like uh they have a rembrandt exhibition because obviously they have limited exhibitions on here and there and i went to walk into that and they were like oh that's like another eight dollars sir and i was like i think i've paid enough money here today 23 dollars you know so i'm not gonna go to the rembrandt thing and then as i was about to leave i saw a sign on the wall that said it's alive horror memorabilia collection from Kirk Hammett of Metallica. (laughs) And I was like, I wonder if that's a limited exhibition. I might just totter in, see what the story is, walk in, $8. And I was like, yeah, I'm paying the $8 (laughs) and doing this.
0: Forget the Rembrandts, but it's all about Kirk. Yeah.
2: So I went into Kirk Hammett's horror lair, which is basically like, uh, classic movie posters, uh, clothes worn in horror movies and stuff. It's very small. like It's not really worth the $8, but it is cool. Uh, and yeah, so that was enjoyable. I, I did it for the podcast, guys. I, I felt like you know it's musical <laughs> journalism.
3: That's, yeah, yeah. You, you went for the study.
2: Yeah, so yeah, it was it was good. There were some good musical aspects to my trip. Very Dahi, cold. you have announced details of your Dublin launch gig for your upcoming album, Loss. I
3: am, yeah, finally, yeah. So we're going on tour uh, and the Dublin gig got announced uh, yesterday. Um, it's the 19th of October in the Button Factory and we're going to have full band special guests out the wazoo um, (laughs) and yeah it's going to be great fun all All welcome. welcome all
0: welcome provided you buy a ticket of course Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think early
3: bird tickets if you get them on Eventbrite they're like 11 quid
0: all fans of capitalism are welcome oh yeah yeah
3: exactly yeah yeah. Uh,
0: uh, and you're also yeah.
3: doing other gigs yeah like. yeah doing Cork uh, and Galway and uh, there's going to be a Belfast show announced pretty soon as well uh, going into to Connolly's of Lep uh, you fucking love it there uh, Connolly's of Lep is incredible and if I would almost say that if you were going to go to any show if you wanted to make the travel go to Connolly's. of Lep Dublin people don't
2: go to the Dublin gig <laughs>
3: yeah exactly like well now there's only be like two hundred people at the kind of these Left ones so if you can get in there quick, but uh, that is such a fun gig. It's so, so good. Hear this guy get in there um, quick. I'm yeah, gonna sell yeah. <laughs> it I'm also playing. Uh, yeah, two hundred. Yeah, yeah, two hundred right, people. All right, yeah. all right. that's fun. Uh, I don't know. It's challenging album. I'm also doing a Battle for the Lake Festival again uh, in Ackle and that's a little later on as well. So oh,
2: I'll go, go, go. Jesus, oh. you're a fucking busy boy. Yeah, your, it's an album, you know. You have to get it. You got to gotta do it. Yeah. You you have put to. a how bit of working? You aren't at Electric picking this weekend, I'm but not. first I'm time in 10 years. Jesus. Yeah, I played 9 years in a row and I've gone 10 years. I will be there. I'm down there for Joe, doing interviews and doing day reviews. Cool. Uh I wish I wasn't going. Ah, you'll have fun. <laughs> <laughs> the weather's Once meant you to get be, there, it's mate. A, it's a serious lineup like. <laughs> the lineup is fantastic. The the, the weather looks pretty grim. And also I just want to you know, you know me, I bitch about festivals all the fucking time. I'm yeah. Who
3: are your let's say five acts you have to have? have to have to see
2: That's a good question because uh, I did that up like for Joe, and I've also got my big list. I think Billie Eilish obviously is such a yeah. huge yes. thing, and she has been moved. She's been moved from the Electric Arena to the main stage. I She's on the she main stage. That's she has kind of a pain, be, yeah. to be honest. I know because it would have been like, don't get me wrong, it would have been impossible to get in, and you would literally have had scores of people oh, queuing up true. for it. But that would have been like a story in itself. You know, and it's going to be the Dooley thing all over again. Like the hundred percent. She's on a half seven on Friday night, and I will be there. Uh, Dermot Kennedy, I know we bang on him a lot on this show, but like he's on the main stage. I'm very curious to see how that will look that's also on the Friday uh, let's see Grandma are there they're playing like the three stage which is a pretty big get for the three stage Yeah. they're that'd be fun. clashing with like fucking a lot uh, there's Mitski's there you know obviously she's talking yeah. about taking a bit of a hiatus isn't she so like if that's the case I definitely want to see her again absolutely uh, she was fantastic in the table when I saw her last year an absolutely brilliant gig uh, I guess on the home front the Clack are playing Body Cell Friday night that'd be a good little buffer between Dermot Kendi and Billy Isle you can yeah. go see that uh, you I'm know gonna, the Strokes are playing mate <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> you're right Craig the, the, 1970, Your
2: boy. the 1975 on yes, they're uh, opening for this the show yeah. afterwards. So yeah, like it is one of the things where like w- When you stack it up, there is there is a ton of shit. On. Like, even like like on the spot here, I'm definitely forgetting a lot of stuff. So uh, I just hope it goes off without a hitch. Three day festival, you know, like I'm I'm tired, man. You know, like I'm tired. <laughs> September I got to detox the fuck out of my life. So next week a picnic review from a smiling Dave Hanredy. Are You I mean, got
0: to record some bits and bobs on your phone or we won't put that on you It's it's a lot, it's going to be a long weekend.
2: No, I I've my phone's battered and I've got like a portable charger that is hopefully hanging in there as well. Oh. So I'll do my best. We'll make uh, oh, do with the in person. Oh, their voices aren't there this year? I found i found surprising. They're really, not? Yeah. yeah, they're not there. I mean there's like you're there's a new area, isn't there? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's got moved like town or something. No, that was last year or like the year before. Dance street town. Yeah. free yeah. town. Yeah and there's talk of like a big dance tent as well which i'm interested there's tons of, like it's it's huge like it's fucking glastonbury size now almost like at least the irish equivalent thereof so mm. i found it quite overwhelming in some respects last year i will say that when you're working at it and you have a schedule to kind of keep to as i do that's actually really good because it just means that you're always moving like you're always yeah. doing stuff and it is exciting like you bump into people that you know every five seconds like and of course. cool stuff happening like you know friends of the show like nilo and uh, pillow queens are all they're playing the salty dog stage various times i'm gonna go see otherkin but the way my favorite band, oh, yeah, ever. because you know it's like a you farewell thing. I, I want to see what kind of reaction they get and see how that goes. So, you should go try narratives. If you get
3: a chance, you're probably not going to go see Hozier, or do you have to? Go I see have
2: Hosier. to go see there's there's a lot of acts on my like, no one has like I, I've got full free reign here, like yeah. my editors haven't been like, go see this, go see this, but obviously, I'm writing
3: for Joe, and thus you, you have, have to see, see the yeah, headline. Yeah. So, if you do get a chance during Hosier, uh, James Blake is playing, so I'll be gonna see him. Oh, him, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. And, yeah, as well as that Ryan Vale is also playing with the Elma Orchestra, okay, it's like a new big show and stuff, and I would highly recommend seeing Yeah. I mean let's be honest I, here
2: I'm not going to watch 90 minutes of Hozier who Melvin Ben thinks will steal the show I, would you watch, I don't would you watch that much of
0: James Blake I mean I've seen him Bits so many pieces, times yeah. now and it's just the I live thing doesn't to, struggle in it yeah I saw him on the main him,
3: stage he'd be great in like an Olympia or something yeah, he was on the main yeah. stage of Electro-Baking
2: one year when we were there at like 6 o'clock <sighs> And it was this is horrendous. Oh, very sorry, tepid sorry. Razorlight are on the main stage. On oh, come on, that
0: yeah. would be great. I wonder when you take a shirt the off. Sunday,
2: <laughs> the Sunday main stage lineup is the most oxygen thing I've seen in years. It's Dublin <laughs> Gospel Choir, Riptide Movement, razor Light. Codeline Jerry Cinnamon Florence and the Machine <laughs> like
0: this is tough <laughs> this is does, a tough does day Johnny out. from Razorlight still wear the all white ensemble
2: we're going to find out uh, Richie McCormick sent me a clip there during the week of Razorlight at Live 8 when they played and Johnny Burrell great. is like uh, it's like a six second long clip and Johnny Burrell is like you know uh, it's like give us like like give us your money or whatever like Bob Geldof said that yeah. it's like blah 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 like, uh, so he coked Bob Marley
0: doesn't he Bob Marley said all you need is love Bob Marley said that
2: John Lennon said that and then he says like you know uh, sign the petition I said that Yeah. I was like you're such an
0: asshole placing
2: himself in the annals and then of, I yeah. believe what Pete Doherty knocked him out backstage after that
0: <laughs> yeah there was a scuffle yeah. Pete Doherty was on like roller skates singing with Elton John it was a mess what, a, what a time 2005 was
2: so yeah full picnic report next week uh, as for this week what's going on in the news craig
0: well I've snuck this one in uh, it's entitled <laughs> Mr Craig it's actually a nice kind of conclusion to um, a previous episode we did which was um what was it? Sounds of Hot Sounds, Boy Summer? Was Sounds that? of Hot that. Boy that Summer. That was a fun episode where essentially Spotify had provided the world with this list um, of songs they thought might be the biggest of the summer. They kind of crunched numbers. There was algorithms involved. Um, <laughs> and we kind of duked it out in terms of brackets and came up with our own uh, number one, which turned out to be. Should we spoil it? No, go back and listen to it. Wow. Yeah. OK, it was bad guy. Um, Advertising there. <laughs> <laughs> But they've basically come out and said actually what got the most streams. Um, They've looked at a few different kind of lists and things and figured out what was actually the biggest song. Surely it's Old Town Road, right? No. No, it was not. Instead, the top honours went to... Senorita <gasps> Song I said At the time We did this episode I wouldn't be of. surprised If this creeps up <laughs> And takes over You did um, say that yeah. By the end of summer yeah. Sleeper hit 565 million,
2: million streams
3: Crazy And that's only since Like June Right Yeah
0: June 1st To August 20th The um, Fitzpatrick bump I know right um, Our own bad guy Was in number 2 um, So Lil Nas X Billy Ray Cyrus Were down to 3
3: So this is Spotify, uh, like, uh, stats as well. So it doesn't include video stats and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I tell a I don't care about Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber was number two, which is just horrendous. Billy (laughs) Eilish's bad guy was at number three. Um, Apparently a weird thing with the Lil Nas X remixes and stuff. They've all been included in the totting up of the original songs streaming. No way! Yeah. So every time a new remix comes out, that's counted towards the original song, really? so which so never usually stupid, happens. Yeah. Like a
2: remix is a separate it's thing. It's game right? in the system. Marvel totally Studios, yeah. Like you know, I, whatever. But congratulations, Greg. Thank you. That it's, was good. It's a
0: big win for me <laughs> <laughs> and Sean and
2: <laughs> uh, Big win, big win in the music world this week for Harry Styles, who yeah, is currently currently adorning the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, and with it, a very long, very gushing profile written by Rob Sheffield, who's clearly in love with Harry Styles. I thought it was quite well written. It is well written, but fuck me it's i mean like listen i just interviewed Clancy his buddy, not, right? i'm not saying you can't yeah i'm not saying you yeah. can't be a fan of someone that you that you interview of course you can i but think there they're was, friends like but there was elements to it where i was like this is
3: like this is you're getting out of hand here yeah the harry hurricane i can't think he used it two or three times yeah i don't know
2: but like so highlights of the interview include the fact that harry stallas did magic mushrooms and almost bit or did bite some of his tongue off um but he seems like a very kind of chill guy he's Uh, really nice he comes across like a nice dude there's elements to the interview where I'm like I'm a bit bored now of the whole like hey man teenage girls are the future I'm like yeah cool you said that already say something different mate you know
0: (laughs) he yeah, just keeps I, saying I, I, he I, I, talks about st- like in Steely Dan though which is kind of the yeah. other end of the spectrum <laughs> <laughs> I sent that
2: I sent that immediately to David Tapley uh, yeah 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 <laughs> he tweeted just out driving hard, around he tweeted out Harry Styles is a legend <laughs> uh, yeah it's more like I'm not like, listen I'm obviously on the man's side I'm not suggesting teenage girls aren't the future I'm just saying that like you know you've kind of put out that kind of woke status before yeah. I, I, you're just repeating yourself now you know and yeah look listen he does a lot for a lot he makes his gigs very inclusive uh, this interview flirts very hard with the idea that he might be Pansexual. I personally don't care. You know, like, live your life. Do what you want mm. to do. Uh, I did think it ended very, very sweetly. There was a very, very nice moment where he goes to a Fleetwood Mac gig with his mum and he's in, like, a VIP box and the journalist is obviously there as well. And he, he, the journalist observes that he's having a great time because there's no paparazzi on no one's, No one's making him the focus for once. And obviously, Harry Styles has become good friends with Stevie Nicks and she's a huge... Uh, part of his life now but at one stage you know he goes from like bopping around you know kind of filling everyone's champagne glass up to uh, when she starts playing landslide uh, Stevie Nicks calls out Harry Styles and she's like this is from my muse and he's here tonight with his mother uh, you've raised an incredible boy like he's an amazing gentleman and a hell of a guy for the future blah 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 and, and the article ends with like your man describing how at that point Harry Styles just falls silent and him and his mother hold each other close and it's just a really nice ending so like there's like parts of the article I thought were very good Do you and reckon Stevie
0: X can teach him how to write a properly good rock pop song? Well see, bops that's bops actually <laughs> that's a
2: really good I think that's a really good point because much is made in the article about Harry Styles affinity for classic rock he's yeah. a big Van Morrison head yeah. and he's surrounded himself with proper musicians and everything Thing, but I Ooh. just keep coming back to the fact that that debut album was a fucking dud. I thought the opening track had some potential. Yeah, it was just the a rest few of the album.
0: moments, but yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I'm not confident that, that he's he's got yeah. an album coming. That's why this interview is here, and I'm not confident that it will be good. I think it won't be good.
3: It's yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Like I mean, the the way they wrote it about him in the studio and stuff, these seems to be kind of people seem to be kind of coming along with him and kind of recognizing that there could be something here. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I think he comes across as really well. He does think, come across uh, well. Uh, and like, yeah. here's the fucked up thing. I would mm. have a pint with him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's no murder capital, but here's the fucked up thing:
2: <laughs> I do, I do like him. And as a matter of fact, you know, this is like the ultimate in pretension here. But like, you know, I've mentioned before, I'd like to write a book someday. And of course, you do the you do the stupid thing of like, I've already got the trailer for the movie version of the book. But like, honestly, honest to God, if I if that ever happened, and if tomorrow it was like cool, the book is out, did really well. Here's the movie. You can cast it. I would cast Harry Styles as one of the characters. That's a legitimate thing. Now, granted, it would make the press story very awkward because I gave him a really bad review for his debut album. (laughs) But... I see a lot in him he was very good in Dunkirk he's got presence he obviously is like I say he's doing a lot of good things in the pop world I just wish the music was there to back it up and I really don't think it is and I I like, I hope this next album proves me wrong I don't think it will
0: well I don't want you sidetracking him with some film projects <laughs> as well he needs to focus on his music <laughs> yeah, right. listen
2: Craig I'm just trying to make the best of this situation okay uh, well, fallback uh, plan we can all agree that the man has presence the man has poise the man has statement style and does things for the, for good in music someone who doesn't is Ed Sheeran and Ed <laughs> you Sheeran you don't know that that. <laughs> well, he's been, we accused, we can suspect. <laughs> he's been accused of co-opting grime, which I'm pretty sure I said when we reviewed the album. Yeah, I think we recently. all
0: might have said it. Um, uh, kind of surprising that it was Wiley that was saying it. I mean, you know, very outspoken dude, but he has actually collaborated with Ed Sheeran on grime tracks yeah. in the past. Um, he's accused Ed Sheeran of being a clout chaser and a culture vulture. And a series of tweets the rapper joked about using a guitar and foot pedal, which obviously alludes to Mr. Ed himself Mr. Ed he's not a horse Mr. Sheeran (laughs) said I'm sick of people using grimes look good for two minutes I don't know if he quite look good for two minutes but that was the intention <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean the grime community well certainly a number of prominent figures including Stormzy came out in defence of Stormzy and Ed are very good, they're friends, good yeah so. they're good mates um, Stormzy replied that uh, no Wiley you know Ed's been doing this from early being a real one from early can't question that you know I love and respect your brother but can't nah, question don't him. do that
2: <laughs> he's infallible yeah I mean there's other Ed in news this week uh, first of all he's been linked to I don't know how to the stories could be one of those tabloid things but supposedly he has his eye on writing the next
0: James Bond theme i think he more or less said he's he's put himself out there he said you know i'm available and I'm just yeah i'm enjoying <laughs> my football but yeah. the uh, the title for
2: that film came out uh, it's called no time to die that's what it's called really? and that's in a bit, time
3: in a bit Just, t- I haven't any time to die at all <laughs> Just, I'm rushed I'll, off I'll have feet. to
0: die another day <laughs> oh, in a bit to get for oh, this though. new
3: office work with the MI6 I it? have time to uh, I've decided
2: to go back and rewatch the Daniel Craig James Bond era so I started off with Casino okay. Royale great. watched it the other night I really like that film but I will admit that giving it a rewatch there for the first time in a while there's a lot of weird messiness to that script like a lot of weird situations where I'm like why is the scene even in here? but it and does have the poker have, doesn't work the poker doesn't work it does have <laughs> one of the great theme tunes Chris Cornell you I know was never name? a
0: fan what? Uh, you know obviously rest in peace but it was too it was too kind of like American and I like the first American it, to ever sing on a Bond theme apparently yeah, yeah I don't that know that true? It, didn't, it didn't work Dean Van
2: Dean Win- Van said it was so <laughs> it felt like such
0: that. a re- return to its kind of like British roots and kind of like manners Man, sorry. stuff you know that, <laughs> that film that it didn't quite like there was talk of Amy Winehouse doing it for, or it being even backed back which would have been incredible
3: that would be class. Yeah, yeah. what uh, did you think of Skyfall? Skyfall
2: I went to see it expecting it to be amazing and I was very let down by that and also there was two very annoying American children behind me in the cinema who wouldn't shut the fuck up so that kind of ruined it but then I went back and saw it a second time and thought it was a lot better it's I think film. Quantum of Solace is obviously not great it was a victim of the writer's strike and it's a bit of a messy movie it gets a lot of hate it's kind of
0: enjoyable it like, works yeah. totally
2: fine if you treat it as Casino Royale 1.5 because yes. it starts off immediately yeah. when that film ends and it's about an hour and a half long which is pretty decent and Spectre is absolute garbage
3: which is the film yeah. that it opens on the the uh, the Mexican festival That's Spectre. Spectre it's a bad that movie. is an excellent opening scene though it's okay it I it's a very good opening I mean it's, it, like, it's, it's, it's well
2: shot but like it doesn't really <laughs> add anything to it does it and then you have <laughs> just, a, like, cool. I mean it's
0: cinematically well, it's, whatever, it's, it's good such but a it doesn't stupid, add much
3: <laughs> to the motion <laughs> picture it, it, it's, but it's, such a, it's such a bad movie and it's like it has structural uh, issues in the middle of the non-vocal <laughs> it has it has <laughs> a, it has
2: Andrew Scott as do you think he's a bad guy and it has uh, Christoph Waltz as the architect of all your pain James like I don't know about Christoph Waltz man you know like hello James uh, like he's gonna be in the next one as well supposedly. yeah
0: I think he was like a one and done with fucking Inglorious bastards, wasn't he yeah. really he's so good in that he's good in Django it's
2: just... but it's the exact same performance yeah, did you know who's playing the villain in the next James Bond movie no I'll give you a clue he won an Academy Award this year and shouldn't have I have no idea who Rami Malik, mate
0: R- really oh that makes yeah sense.
2: that makes sense yeah, yeah. yeah also because
0: of course we we watched that clip of him like malfunctioning when he was talking about his favourite Bond it's song so funny yeah. Yeah.
2: he's on an American talk show one of those ones where there's people around in the background and like he's just been <laughs> announced as being in the new Bond movie and he's sitting there and like Rami Malek is a strange man so they're like congratulations Rami you're joining the Bond franchise and he's like yeah it's great isn't it I can't wait and then they're like what's your favourite Bond movie and he just panics and freezes and his programming shuts down for a second and he sits there and goes uh um, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. they're they're all great. <laughs> uh, and then he goes, Doctor No, Doctor and then the crowd no? start the crowd start cheering. And he goes, Right,
4: right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Doctor No. Okay, I'm on
0: some <laughs> Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. So Ed Sheeran might be doing the, the song, but he's also Craig. Sad news, taking an extended break from music he's itself.
0: Doing a BTS. I don't think he's joining the Korean army. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's an extended eighteen month break from performing which is fair enough I mean he's been on this mammoth world tour as they say which is the biggest grossing of all time now I think it passed out U2 I think he's played to 9 million people around the world yeah he did a huge amount of dates like he kind of gamed the system as well whereas like I think U2 did a fraction of the dates he did but obviously passed out in terms of revenue but um there's also, he teased he might be coming back with a band. I don't know if you have more details he on that. He kind of
2: basically said, like, the, like, this is pretty much the last loop pedal, just me as a solo situation. So what he's doing is he's stealing
3: Dahi's Do- fucking <laughs> signature here, you know? Just very briefly on the whole Wiley thing, like going yeah. back a couple of steps. Wiley was attached to only one other news story this week, and that is that he's currently working in studio with Cheryl Cole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh really? So
3: like the fact that he's given out about Ed Sheeran, like using <laughs> grime to move on, and now is like working with Cheryl Cole, who's obviously trying to get her waxwork back up. I was going
0: to say, yeah, <laughs> by, it was by, it was grime.: She's no longer She's, relevant. Yeah, or she wants something. to get
3: put in the grime section of Madison. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
2: incredible. <laughs> Zara Hammond got very good reviews for her Cheryl Cole impression on the show last Unbelievable, night. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Craig, blast through this David Byrne thing because I want to hear about the VMAs.
0: Sure. Yeah. So David Byrne has announced that he's uh, oh he's launched a new online magazine. It's called Reasons to Be Cheerful. Um, it's a solutions orientated um, online magazine it's going to publish stories detailing real changes with measurable impact that are meant to inspire and uplift so it's kind of a feel good story Uh, he's released a statement saying it often seems as if the world is going straight to hell which is true Uh, I wake up in the morning I look at the paper and I say to myself oh no which could be a talking heads lyric Um, (laughs) so he talks about how he's you know felt depressed and perilous but that doesn't accomplish anything so the kind of whole point behind this is like positive news like what's mm. in the good news we'll just get the word out about activism and stuff and I think it's nice that David yeah. Byrne is out there being positive that's the, good. The yeah. site is
3: interesting so it's currently has a website and he, he has actually written a good lot of the articles and also Brian Eno has written one or two of the records. So yeah, all
0: Cerepus all Okay so uh,
3: our final news story of the week is going to be around
2: above the MTV Video Music Awards <laughs> now. Uh, I believe lowest ratings in history down year on year now I, when I saw the year putting this together Craig in the running order I deliberately didn't look at things so I don't know who won what.
0: Yeah, well... It turns did.
3: out it doesn't matter. Yeah, they, they
0: really didn't care. Uh, I didn't actually write up the story because, like, who could be bothered watching it? But there was a really good kind of 10 things you should... You might as well know about the VMAs, which was, was titled.
2: I, I guess the first question is, did, did either of
3: you watch it at all? No, no.
0: no. I, it's not really... But the strange
3: thing, thing about thing it this so year, of... and one of the kind of the major takeaways, is that they barely included any of the actual award-giving. Yeah. It was all based down to performances, which I think is actually makes a lot of sense because the VMAs are... and. I mean loads of people have said this but it is the most pointless award show of all time because video music awards get nominated to artists who didn't make the videos and nobody mentions the people who actually created the stuff total
0: sham yeah so they got rid of the video of the year and the song of the year uh, gongs in the middle of the telecast there was still like an hour and a half left Um, The winners of those, Taylor Swift took home Video of the Year for You Need to Calm Down. Um, Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus won Song of the Year for their eternal Old Town Road remix. (laughs) Um, Missy Elliott won Video Vanguard, which did they drop the Michael Jackson name from that I believe they might have I think anyway it, she's yeah. very deserving of that um, I'll probably go back and check out she did uh, a medley of her biggest hits saw, which is yeah, probably it was really awesome yeah, go, I'm it, gonna almost, watch it, was,
3: it was a huge amount of production as well it almost felt like a Super Bowl show or something like that it was crazy
0: yeah um, and was there anything else really of interest like
3: a lot of the stuff was weird like artists, uh, Ariana Grande weren't one artist of the year but wasn't there at all which is yeah. a kind of quite a strange thing because generally it was kind of uh, public knowledge almost that uh, if you were nominated for VMAs and actually went then it was there was a very good chance that you were going to win because they only gave it to people who were actually there
0: yeah there wasn't any overlap with her Manchester show was there possibly I don't know that she might have been able like it makes sense that she would that would be one thing she wouldn't want to miss it's pretty much a popularity
2: contest and a reflection of what is currently hot and popular like I mean there's not really any outliers I don't think
0: not really Taylor Swift also won um, video for good (laughs) that's a category because it's like I don't know (laughs) social change or whatever rewarding social change. best power anthem is also a category <laughs> Megan the sta- Stallion featuring Nicki Minaj and Ty Dolla $1 won for Hot Girl Summer which yeah should be rewarded in some way it's best rock panic at the disco <laughs> tells you all you need to know
3: better rock
0: <laughs> yeah let's oh, move I on
3: should, I should say as well that uh, John Travolta went to award Taylor Swift an award and gave it to some the wrong person basically at yeah. one point he like, handed it to somebody else who vaguely looked like Taylor it, Swift. it was a drag
2: queen wasn't yes, it yeah it was a drag queen, yeah,
3: queen yeah. Yeah. but in the in the Video. She's dressed up as Taylor in a look yeah,
0: well. it like competition. Yeah, it wasn't quite as bad as Adele. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> the wickedly talented, <downed laughs> one and only. Dale, have you seen, Are you guys
2: aware of John Travolta's new movie? Like he's hit the Nicolas Cage stage of. His I thought career you were where, going where, to say new hair. <laughs> well, he's actually like I saw him on a talk show, and he, or maybe he was on this as well. He didn't have any hair, and I was like, finally, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. About it's fucking time, John his scalp. Uh, he's hit the Nicolas Cage like stage of his career of just having terrible straight to video stuff or straight to streaming stuff or mm. whatever. Uh, his new film is called The Fanatic. Okay. And it's about an autograph hunter or like a celebrity obsessed guy who, uh, the film doesn't make this clear, but it appears to be on the spectrum, which is really fucking problematic by the sure. way. But also he's playing it really like broadly. I know, shocking John Travolta, right? He looks bizarre in it. And the guy he's obsessed with is Devin Sawa, who was in Final Destination and of course the video for Stan by Eminem. So there's been a meta commentary going yeah. on there. Apparently it's a really gross movie and like it's really violent and disgusting. He kidnaps the guy and like tortures him. It's directed by Fred Durst. <laughs> so there Baring you go burying the lead it's called The Fanatic yeah. and I will be watching it <laughs> you know, for the podcast maybe a no popcorn episode almost definitely a no popcorn episode <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, let's talk about some good rock music shall we as noted before I had the chance to interview uh, M. Sean Crahan, also known as Clown from Slipknot who of course uh, on the day this episode uh, drops tickets are out for their Dublin show I presume it's going to sell out pretty fast they're playing Ireland in January cannot wait I'm bringing Dai his first ever Slipknot oh, gig for <laughs> it's going to be really good. Uh, so, yeah, I talked to Klein for a bit. And this is a really good
3: interview. He's a quote machine. It's he insane. fucking
2: is, because I only had 20 minutes on the phone. You always panic about that kind of stuff, but it was said in advance. That's literally what the PR said. They were like, he's a quote machine. Don't worry. And I've read interviews with him over the year to know that he, the guy can just go. But, mm. yeah, because you, you've edited it all. You, you've done a very mm. nice job on it. Uh, so what did you think?
3: Yeah, I really, really liked it. I mean, he sounds like somebody who's been through the mill for years and years and years he really understands why he's doing what he's doing, which is often quite rare. Like, you know, like he it feels like he's really, really thought about who he is, why Slipknot are who they are and why they're still doing it um, which is fantastic
2: Yeah and the new album honestly like I I know I'm a fan but like this is legitimately their best album in a very long time I think it's excellent and I'm very heartened by seeing people's positive Mm -hmm. reactions A couple of insights into the interview though Uh, I was told in advance that I couldn't ask about three things I couldn't ask about the new member of Slipknot because there's a new guy that they haven't announced who it is uh, he's replacing a guy who left because he's suing the band based on financial disputes. wasn't allowed to ask about that either, and I wasn't going to in fairness. And also, uh, very sadly, Clown's youngest daughter passed away in May, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously that, that was announced. And I was surprised that he was even doing press, and it was like, if you ask had- he was even doing tours, yeah, it's imagine, very like- shocking. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess it's I don't know. I mean, like maybe it's a way of dealing, um, but mm-hmm. it was very much like if you ask about this subject, we will hang up the phone. And I was like, no problem, I'm not going to, don't worry. So I didn't ask that, obviously. But there is a moment in this where he talks about like you know losing people in his life, and I didn't press or nothing but like it was just interesting to kind of hear him reflect on that briefly and maybe it was about something else but a very contemplative guy and lastly what i will say is there's a moment in this interview when i described him as the conscience of the band and he thought i said the word consciousness <laughs> however they kind of mean the same thing and i'm gonna take it anyway without further ado here's me and teenage dave very very happy about this obviously talking to clown from slipknot enjoy hi everyone
3: clown is on the
1: line thank you hello
2: hi is that clown it is hey man how's it going this is Dave Hanratty in Dublin how are you today
1: I'm good how are you
2: I'm not too bad we're having a very humid summer over here and I'm kind of sick of it at this stage if I'm honest with you
1: it's good for your skin
2: (laughs) so I'm told I hope so Uh, I have spent the last week or so listening to the new album though so that has definitely eased things somewhat. Uh, Congratulations on it. I think it's fucking brilliant. Welcome back basically.
1: Well thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, thank you.
2: I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, 20 years on from an incredible breakthrough with the self-titled album, how do you regard Slipknot's place in the world today?
1: Well I feel, I think about this a lot. Um, You're an artist performer, a musician, you get in this racket, there's no manual, and then you have to abide by a system that's already been laid out decades before your entrance, so I just look at myself on life's journey, I just think we're doing exactly what we did when we started a band, we got together to make music, be together, feel that connection of live interaction and you know musicians play together and that magic happens and uh we're just getting better and living our lives and accepting our ages and accepting the environment around us and and just still you know I never look at it in any other way than that this this is my life so what else am I going to do you know this is this is what I do this is who I am so instead of degressing into something that doesn't make sense, I challenge myself, and I believe we challenge ourselves, to the harder things in life, which is to evolve, which is to take chances, which is to allow what is inside.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be... It's difficult to imagine you doing anything else at this stage, I think.
1: Well, we're always the band everybody wants to hate, and... You know, it's at this point, I mean, I don't really give it any mind. I mean, what I used to care about and what used to bother me and the angst that used to get on me, it's just irrelevant at this point. Like, we're just on a journey called footmob. And really, there's nothing else or nobody else. And this is what we do. I mean, what else would footmob do? I mean, this is what we do.
2: Do you still feel hated by people? And if so, who are those people and what level are we talking about here?
1: Well, I don't, you know, because I've changed so much, I, I don't really need to, like, talk about it. You know, it's just... It's just... You You see it. What little bit I get on the internet and what little bit I'll subscribe to, you know, you just see it. And you feel it. And you can hear it in condescending ways. And, and you know, you, you can look around at the... The, the change in like music you know i'm just dumbfounded all the time uh but i'm more concerned about myself and the band i'm in to worry about any of that i'm trying to be selfless so you know every human's got their own path i don't want to spend any time being snagged up on somebody else's decisions
2: yeah, I wanted to ask you about your own specific position within the band. I mean, for from, from me, from a fan of, of many years now, I've kind of always looked at Clown as kind of the conscience of the band. But again, like, I'm not in the band, so I don't necessarily know how fair that would be. But in terms of your own role and how it's evolved over the years, how do you regard yourself?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I'll start by saying I'm the clown, and that comes with a lot. Um, I'm very blessed to have been allowed to be myself, uh, which is create art and suggest art and deliver art. Um, I am the oldest. And at this point, if you were looking at the timeline, you know, I'm the, the OG, so to speak. (laughs) So there probably is a consciousness there. Um, There probably is a mindset there. It doesn't mean that people buy into it. It doesn't mean I force it. But I do believe that there is a certain uh, conceptual sense that lingers around me that I enforce. Uh, But like I said, I'm very, very lucky person to be in an establishment that is allowed to you know utilize my gifts I guess um, <clears throat> I have more of a voice now than I ever did and I have the voice from the beginning um, but I've just had a lot of great peers, a lot of great teachers, a lot of artistic people around me you know opening my head to possibility <clears throat> helping me, you know, um, activate my, my, my ideas. So I think there's a lot of clown right now. I think this is the most I've ever worked for anything with this album. I've gained the most. and I've lost the most. Uh, I don't mean that of the other guys. I'm just saying as a human, I, I've gained so much from this album and I've lost so much. And that's where I'm at. So there's a lot of clowns all over this and these days. Um, I'm just a much better person and I, I'm, I'm much more aware. I like the words you use, consciousness. I do believe, yeah, I, I do believe there's a heavy consciousness of clowns.
2: In that regard, though, you say you've, you've gained a lot, you've lost a lot. Obviously, it must take an awful lot of work and a lot, an awful lot of the self to go into an album like this, and every sub album, I think, would be the case. Is it worth it? Like, is the balance worth it?
1: I, I don't know. Because life is random and circumstantial and you don't, you wake up and you open your eyes and you have no idea what is there waiting for you. Who has died? Who has been born? Who has quit? Who has who is next in line, what I've lost, what I've gained, where I'm going, where I've been. I mean, every day is this this constant reminder of this thing called life. And at this point, I'm 20 years in this thing called Slipknot. I would have never guessed, but it is what I wanted to do from the beginning. And I keep continuing to do it. Um, So the you know, worth it, I don't know if that's even a really good concept. Because I just do what I do. Um, I don't care about the things that people might think I care about. So I'm just getting up trying to live every day. Do I love Slipknot more than life itself? Uh, so I guess, yeah, you know, of course it's worth it. Um, but that's a harder... that seems like being worth it seems easy. Where I'm at in all this is like next level in a a life, lives with it. Lots of sacrifice, lots of work, lots of loss. Um, So it's,
2: it's a lot. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff in in the records as well, of course, that reflect that. And I mean, I've always thought of Slipknot as a reaction to life and to the world around Slipknot as well and around us every single day. How informed by the world are you, especially on this
1: record? Well, that's a great question because that is one of the ingredients in making an album. You know, you have to make an album, go out on an album cycle for many years get twisted, get torn, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. Finalize that thought process. Go home. Six months of body repair. Six more months, equaling a year of just mental and body repair. Then you get about six months to yourself, but then you usually generally get bored And about a year and a half. If you can stretch that, to about two years, you're doing really well. You know? So, in that two years, i spent a lot of time in the world. Not so much on the internet or on the TV or on the radio, but just around people in general. I take trips, um, business and pleasure. So I'm around people on both of those in different kinds of circumstances. But, the people I choose to be around, the people that choose to be around me, they speak. And they that's where I get my communication, one-on-one or in a group. And then it turns into speaking about what is going on in the world. And that's where I get informed. Uh, and that's where I engage. So I think I'm pretty aware. I think the world I live in is pretty obscure and pretty minuscule. Um, But I check in to the bigger things because I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to be naive. You know, I don't want to be naive either to what's going on. So, but I like what you said because you know people always have said that they love the album Iowa, and I have always said the reason why that is was where the world was at in 2001. I mean, it's just the world was in a real place everybody can go back to that time and honestly say they felt it. And honestly, it's exactly like that right now. And, you know, someone's got to make an album sometimes. So it's interesting that we do make albums at pivotal times in history because you can feel the world where it's at. And if you apply our album to the world, then you understand the album more.
2: On that note, and to ask a, a very broad question, are we doomed?
1: Oh, man. Let me give you a scenario, okay? (laughs) You may not like this. But have you ever got up and had that sort of cliché sort of subject matter that's been brought in all our heads about life being your own movie? Like, you get up and you swear to God that it's some sort of weird program movie that just revolves around you. You know, you've had that, right?
2: Yeah, of course.
1: So wouldn't it just be obvious that you get to see the end? And what would you do if you saw the end? You know, would you invite it openly with open eyes so you could move forward through it? Or would you, you know, would you cover your eyes and and, and bend over and not want to take it and then possibly lose a chance? But these are all just thoughts. I mean, we don't know what's real, what's not. So the world that I live in, it it just seems very irritated, and that bothers me. You know, I go to an airport, I go to any place of travel, and the and the travel has gone quite a bit in the in the irrational kind of way. Things are late. No one gives a fuck. Things have, you know things have gotten worse. And you know, in my opinion, service and, and quality and expense. And then you got every human that's feeling that and having to deal with that. And we're generally not very good being calm. We generally go for ourselves, creating a very sporadic reaction. And I feel like every time I leave a hotel, my house, I got to remind myself that I'm living a very sporadic, um, I don't know. It's very, the world is in a very strange place in my eyes and um scary definitely is scary you know you you don't want to wake up and hear that major decision that other people that aren't even in your family have made for all of us you know it's just it's going to be a little much yet are we doomed hey life always finds a way you know i know that's probably the dumbest thing you've ever heard but I know that when we're all gone, some flower will bloom eventually, and it's proven to do so. And even if this world blows up, supposedly there's other worlds growing. So I don't know really what's most important in life. I think it's just to live it, you know, just live life, because it is a bizarre experience.
2: No, I like that, man. I agree with a lot of it. You've said before that there's an awful lot of love. Uh, There's a lot of love in Slipknot's music. And do you think some people were surprised by by that idea?
1: I'm absolutely positive people are surprised, but people forget that they're human. So imagine the 14-year-old kid, girl or boy, entering high school, looking for their social scene, social acceptance. Maybe the boy paints his nails, grows his bangs, wears really intense T-shirts by bands that he actually gravitates to at the moment but he still loves his grandma. Okay? He still got a dog or a pet that he would die for or she would die for. We forget all these things. We we get narrow-minded and think just because we wear all black that we are all black, you know, like our thoughts and our mind and the anger and, and this and that and heavy, aggressive music and these sorts of things. And it can be a big part of us, but we forget that there's all the other stuff like when you cry it feels good so why why don't you cry you know maybe you want to be tough for a while and you don't want to cry but the the point is is when you do cry it feels good so I think people are surprised but I think once they let it in because it's us then, then they're like wait a minute this is perfectly natural what I'm hearing and what I'm experiencing is exactly what I expect from so I, I think at first yes because everybody wants heavy but what is the definition of heavy you know you take some of the songs that are on the new album they're emotionally heavy and yes they will surprise people but like I said many listens and a deep breath then the you know the acknowledgement comes that it's exactly what you would expect and exactly what you want and most importantly what you need
2: I guess lastly what I'll ask you because I know you're tight for time would be you mentioned earlier that you were kind of dumbfounded by I guess the state of music today what exactly did you mean by that?
1: Well I always feel that everybody every day has can change their own destiny at any moment and so you know I just everything seems so I don't know so predictable like even the great even some of the elite. I'm just like bored. I mean, majorly bored because there's a scramble there. Everybody's scrambling. You know, we've all been taught that change is good. You know, we're going from physical product to streaming. You know, people got to understand what the word algorithm means. And <laughs> You know, next thing you know, you're, you're subscribed to like four streaming uh facilities that all provide you the same movie that you bought four times. I mean, it's a confusing, it's a confusing time, the phone, the digital world, the internet. Um, but music is really taking it hard because, you know, there's a lot of reasons we could talk for hours, but, you know, record labels. I mean, I could talk a day about that, you know, record deals and just the way things are being done and the way things used to be done. But like I said, we've all been taught that you have to go with change. If you don't go with change, you get left behind. We know this. Uh, But I can tell you music has taken a big hit uh, because of the business of it. And the business is concentrated on the digital space, the viral space. And it's really... It's really messing things up. But it's only right now, you know, it's 10 years for a hypothesis to happen. So unfortunately, you and I are living in an era where we got to put up with these sort of irritating things that are going on that will affect the one thing we love most. For me, it's God music. And I just, uh, the quality is not there. You got to look deep. And then even when you find it, it's compared too much to the great stuff that was a long time ago. That you find yourself just sticking with, and it's because it was a much more passionate, much more unknown territory rock and roll and now it seems like it's subcategory it's it's cut up, it's sliced, you can have a fraction or all of it or none of it, or some of it you know it's it's different, but it it'll work its way out.
2: Well, look, I think you've made a great album, and I just want to say thanks for it, and thanks for all the music over the last 20 years. I've been a fan for the entire time, Slipknot not me an awful lot to me, and I'm really, really glad that I got to talk to you today. So thank you very much, and best of luck with everything.
1: Uh, we appreciate it. I appreciate your time today. Um, I'd just like to say thank you to all the maggots, because uh, as you have said, you are one. Um, everybody sticks with us, and we love it. We're family. It, it's what matters. We're having a great time out on tour. Can't wait to see everybody um, as soon as we can. So thank you. Uh, we hope you enjoy the album. Um, thank you. Be careful. All right, cheers. Bye.
2: That was a clown interviewing a clown. There we go. I made the joke again because it's funny. It's uh, not funny. <laughs> it's not. No, not even <laughs> close to being funny. All right, fine. I trying, <laughs> trying to have my fun. Uh, but that was, uh, that was a great one. I really enjoyed it. Uh, much more to come on the interview front, of course. But first, songs of this week. Busy week for once, guys. Of stuff yeah happening. there was a lot happening well no? there was kind of like some cut-ins cut-outs you know
3: yeah I suppose there was
0: I enjoyed the Bombay Bicycle Club return not enough yeah not yeah. enough yeah um, I, I mean was... I
3: had that down on my list but I found that it was uh, not interesting enough to warrant a conversation
0: well dare not maybe <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah
0: good to have them back though good to have them back <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah let's yeah. start with a
2: band and a song more the song itself yeah, yeah. Right okay there, yeah. that is interesting enough it's the 1975 and it's not about climate change this time it's called People Sounds Like This it sounds like a lot of rock songs, I would say. A very big Marilyn Manson vibe off this one. Huge, yeah. Uh, uh, so this is them pivoting, obviously, to kind of a more of a, I guess, idol, Queens of the Stone Age, Marilyn Manson, straight up rocker. Matty Healy is screaming his head off. Uh, some people have rejected this wholesale. They think that they're kind of being a bit touristy on this one. I think it's a bit of a bop. Dahi Adrani. Is it a once off, do you think? I don't know. That's a good question.
0: Yeah. I think
3: it probably is.
0: Yeah, I feel like it is. Uh, there is an album I, coming in
3: february I enjoyed it i, I did enjoy it uh i didn 't um obviously like most people I probably wouldn 't have expected it to go as hard as it did. I think the video's really really effective with it as well um i' really really interested to see what 's going to kind of come up now yeah because I, it does feel like a one once off to me and that uh if this is part of an album it is would part you want album?
2: an entire album of this style? absolutely
3: not no <laughs> no, no not at all i mean it's, he's, it was good on like one interesting run of it, but like I don't know, there's not enough elements there to make this like a full album kind of thing. There's not enough textures yeah. and elements. Yeah, and, and the, the,
2: the thing I will say about it, I guess the, the criticism I would have with this track, I do like it, is that I've heard it before. Like, yeah, like, like, we've yeah, very yeah. much heard the song before. Yeah. They're doing a pretty yeah. good version of it. So if
3: it is part of an overriding thing in an album, it might be really fucking cool. But like,
2: yeah,
0: it'll yeah. it'll kind of depend where it sits. Andrea and- Cleary on the
2: Nothern Nine podcast speculated that maybe they're going to try and inhabit a different genre
0: for each track. Yeah, see that might be. Interesting. It's the kind of thing that they would do. <sighs> yeah, that sounds tiring to me. Um, I was kind of into this um, for the first verse. I think they duck like a big cathartic chorus moment like I kind of like what he's doing vocally the kind of strangled things it's you know people have been saying oh my god the 1975 have gone screamo it's like no it's kind of fairly basic rock it's still and then, a pop song at the then end of the when, day. Yeah, yeah when you get to that chorus it goes into what sounded to me like fucking some Black Keys riffage or something which was quite lumpen actually it wasn't that inspired I do like what he's doing on the verses um, but yeah it's, it's them kind of in tourist mode
2: it is, yeah I don't think it's revolutionary It's them kind of playing dress a bit They're doing it well because they are very good at production They are very good at yeah. packaging They are very good at kind of creating a thing But it, yeah it's not like this is your identity It's. I know they're a band that likes to change their identity but mm. this ain't it But I do like it So there we go Craig, you had one Pusha T song
0: <laughs> and then you swapped it out for a different one Yeah King Push is spoiling us um, I initially had Sociopath and now I have this The 80s
3: kingpin's gotta freedom faces they ain't believe believing if no child's left then how can when we love leave them is wrong. you hold on to anything some do wrong
4: just to feel anything but when the void is filled,
0: you'll uh, that was coming home by pusha t uh kanye on production and Lauren Hill singing, Lauren Hill. not a sample What's or up? nothing. It does sound like it's a, a really poor recording of her. It's like an MP3 kind of stitching. But they we'll got take her what off stage we can get. Was like,
3: Could you just sing it really quickly into this?
0: Yeah. Can- um, so I think actually um, an unfinished version of this leaked uh, along with Sociopath, um, and Push is kind of trying to clean stuff up and get out proper versions. Now he has promised there's going to be like a nine track, fully uh, Kanye produced album to follow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Push it, he says stuff sometimes. Um, <laughs> (laughs) Sociopath was really interesting to me because it seemed like a return to um, prior to Daytona form. Like, it was that kind of sparse, metallic, quite harsh um, numbers on the board thing. Um, It it knocked really hard for me. This, though, when this popped up last night, I was very excited. I think this is what we were hoping for with Kanye's um, Brothers, which was, like, done for a BET show. It's like, oh, he's going old school. This is actually very very good like the sample it's, is it's a
3: real classic old school so, time like insanely
0: like, yeah. so I couldn't believe what I was hearing Um, Pusha just kills it like he's you know Complex voted him the greatest um rapper alive for last year and he's like his run of features this year has been great yeah. his own stuff is fantastic he just doesn't really miss it's good to hear Lauren Hill back as well yeah. she sounds really good she this? does the whole
2: presentation is fantastic uh, I'm, I like sociopath a lot as well I love the bit where it cuts off and they talk about about charcuterie oh yeah yeah <laughs> I just found that so funny and I'm not really one for skits especially ones that like interrupt a song but I just thought every time I hear that I just laugh I think, I think it's hilarious yeah. Uh, yeah look listen I mean Kanye West on production mode is can often be very impressive and it is here It's it's a really like it's a really wholesome song like I, I felt Which, really in the right way and that yeah.
3: really kind of jarred me in a really weird way because it was just like like Pusha T doing this. I know, type of he's a really track. good at it. But I was just <laughs> really confused. I was just like, what? And I was just like, maybe he's not gonna like say anything about it." and then he, he mentions like there's a kingpin or whatever. Damn it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I like like he opens the song with just saying, you know, fuck it, we're all poor. I'm like, that's the first relatable pusha T line <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like I think, you know, it's very wholesome sounding. I think pusha then delivering the verses, he lends the kind of You know, non cliche details that actually take it away from just being a feel good gospel thing. Do you know what I mean? So, Um, I think it's maybe the best Chance the Rapper song of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do you see? He was on some show and it was
2: like the guy. Chance or? Chance was on some show. I think it was Ebro. And it was something like your man had done like the top 50 rappers rappers, in uh, the world right now. Or it was of all time? Of all time, yeah. And Chance the Rapper was like. he, I think he was low down on the list or not on the list and he was really affronted by this and he basically said to him, he was like he goes uh, I know I'm in the top five and I'm definitely not number five it's like, you <laughs> cannot handle any criticism whatsoever. <laughs> you on. are so. You're right. Like, he's. Fuck Chance the Rapper. Uh, <laughs> now, I will say, in fairness. Are these two tracks. Uh, are, are these cast offs from Daytona? Like, uh, like they
0: both are, are they? Um, I believe they had. The samples originated from those sessions and they've been worked on since. Okay. So, uh, like, I, as Pusha tells it, there's going to be an, a further seven new songs coming along with these. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Amazing. They're so good together.
3: Yes, Dohi. Uh, yeah Uh, so the track I brought this week is uh, AG Cook is back with a track called Lifeline
2: I tell you, hook that bass drum Ooh.
3: to my veins. Yeah. But you could probably keep the rest.
0: <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> knew that was going. It's just not really... So
3: anybody who doesn't know who A.G. Cook is, he's credited as the producer um, and kind of A&R guy for a label called PC Music, which uh, is... Uh, most people kind of know what PC Music is at this stage. It's kind of like a very hyper, like over-the-top, really, really intense pop music. Mm. Very, very shiny, very, very clean. Um A.G. Cook is also the creative director for Charlie XCX uh, and she's, he's basically credited it with her like her lean into this kind of PC music style yeah. and stuff. And one of the more interesting things about this track is that it could very well be a Charlie XCX track if she was singing on it, um, which kind of worries me in a sense because <laughs> A.G. Cook had this like really, really unique style like a good few years ago now that was like very, very high, very fast tempo, very, very interesting kind of stuff. Um, and this is... He's obviously uh, developed alongside Charlie XCX in in what Mm. kind of PC music technically is right now but the problem is is that has his style now just like run in beside Charlie X's yeah. and is the exact same like he's a really interesting dude and is really worth looking up you know he when he started PC Music he had this amazing kind of theme where he wanted to record people who wouldn't usually make music but record them and treat them as if they were major label artists so like people who wouldn't necessarily be an incredibly great artist of all time but he was like well what if we just did all of the attention that we usually give to like yeah. a star and make them. I mean it
0: doesn't sound like a good idea <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good idea at all <laughs> no, but, but that's love
3: what that. makes PC music so interesting yeah. as well I think it's like it kind of feels so off and off kilter but everything is so clean and crisp it's and like produced. that uncanny
0: valley thing going on Yeah, yeah exactly like this yeah.
3: is fine it's just a bit lightweight for me Craig
0: yeah I think like the most surprising thing was how unsurprising this was it was mm. just like oh if you had a typical kind of like the production is immaculate obviously it's surprising
3: and, that he starts with this one because apparently there's going to be a whole pile of new PC music yeah. coming like, out He's now, talking but. about
0: this as like his big power ballad. It's yeah. quite 80s and uh, like that hook, he's like, I had a stuck in my head for ages. I'm like, it's not that strong a hook really. No. Particularly with his vocals, like Charlie might make something of it, but yeah, I want, the, I want him on the bleeding edge yeah, and just right. doing that hyper stuff.
2: Hey guys! Hey, I just got sent the new Lana Del Rey album <gasps> by the record label. Four hours before it comes out for everyone else, <laughs> what's the point? Uh, that's out next week. As is the new Tool album, their first in thirteen years. That's
0: the one that we're going to be reviewing on this show. Yeah. Do
3: you want to do a toss up now? You don't know no,
0: you know. I don't. <laughs> no. But I like. I'm excited about the music of Tool, but I'm not sure um, Maynard is as talented as Lana at this point. We'll see. So you would rather <laughs> that she was fronting Tool, basically? Yes, what you're saying. that is the <laughs> no, album I want to hear. Doh! You could always cut up both albums and just
2: try and like make one super album. I
0: could. I absolutely could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. that <laughs> uh, <laughs> was very fired. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving
2: on. Yeah. Norman. Good banter. Norman fucking Rockwell, Fear and Like, why not?
0: <laughs> but first, there's a big
2: album to talk about. Anyway, yes. it's one of the big albums of the year. One of the big albums of the summer. A big pop album. It's by a lady by the name of Taylor Swift. It's called Lover. Let's take a listen to it and then talk about it.
3: I love the English. You know I love a London boy. I enjoy.
2: So that was "London Boy" by Taylor Swift, a track that became infamous by the virtue of its strangely <laughs> geographical, head-scratching lyrics before anyone even heard the track. Craig, before we get into the album itself, can you tell us some background about this Taylor Swift character? Oh,
0: really? I'm the one that has to talk a little bit better. Uh yeah, okay. Um, I think she's originally like Midwest um singer-songwriter who logically moved to Nashville. She spent like her twenties and like the last decade essentially being a massive star due to her like great songwriting talent i think speak now topped the u.s charts it was completely self-written then you had the likes of red which was like put her into the pop realm 1989 which kind of made her dominate the pop realm and then reputation which i wasn't here to review and i'm glad i wasn't (laughs) oh and also um kanye west said she didn't have the greatest video of all time but well, he did let yeah. it finish. So, essentially, <laughs> like,
2: obviously on this show every week, I always go to you for a primer. Maybe yeah. maybe this week I could have skipped you, because, of course, we have a special guest helping us review this album. And it is Alice Kiernan. Hello.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Welcome
2: to the show. Your
4: official Taylor Swift correspondent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we've, we've shipped in. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, did you go to both Croke Park gigs last year? I did. Right.
4: Okay, I paid for my first ticket. Um, as I, I'm, I'm a big fan, so did the whole thing of <laughs> paid. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm like the only person in the country who did. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I paid for my first for the first night, whatever, and then the second. I honest did any- Was anyone here at it?
3: No, I nope. could hear it. I it's was, good. I was around the it. I could feel it. I could feel it. I could feel it.
4: It was great. Uh, so then the second night, my friend was like, well, we just wait around outside and see what happens. And I was like, absolutely. Like, so, uh, yeah, we went and uh, we didn't think we were going to get tickets. And then someone was like, this woman with her kid was like, are you guys looking for tickets? And we're like, uh, yeah. And then she's like, well, I bought these, but I won these so you can have these ones. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to see my idol twice in the space of 24 hours. Like, oh, how did this happen? That's incredible. Uh, so, yeah, I went about nights. Okay. And I am very proud of that. Well, it's this the best thing, I mean, I've
2: i have kind of been... Alice, Alice and I work together, and I've, you know, been threatening to get you on the podcast for some time. And I've very much been saying a case of let's not, you know, like, you need to be impartial here. Like, But this album came out, and I believe you said that you tried to take the day off work to listen to it fully.
4: I didn't actually try to. Please don't tell people I tried to take the day off work. <laughs> I'm sure, like, my boss is listening to be like, she what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you were sick, you know.
4: Oh, right? yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I would love to dedicate a day to listening to the album but unfortunately I had to Well this is an it. important
2: record I think for Taylor Swift fans especially because Reputation came off the back of a lot of controversy and this is obviously a bit yeah. more wholesome uh, Alice let me ask you this I mm-hmm. mean like the lead up to this record uh, what's the general feeling in the Swift camp the Swifty camp I should say
4: Um. Okay so she disappeared for a very long time after 1989 um, it was like her most popular album uh, but also it was when a lot of drama uh, happened so then she disappeared for a very long time when she came back for Reputation, she she deleted everything from social media uh, and also did zero media interviews. Um, so all she had was the album, and she gigged on a Friday and a Saturday night. There was like it was a very well planned and maybe calm tour. I don't know. I don't know. Like it just there wasn't. She didn't she didn't hype it up herself. She just it was gonna release my album, gonna do my gigs, and that's that. Hmm. Um, and then in the space of In the space of two years, she announced Reputation, toured a Reputation, and then wrote Lover and has released Lover. So that's like, to go from like disappearing for like four years to having two albums in two years is like massive. Hmm. And I think, um, I liked Reputation, but I think the fans were quite shocked by it. Like it was so out of character and even just, even just like the colour scheme. Do you know, like it was just, it was such a a right
3: turn. Yeah, it was just
4: like, and I think, I remember when I heard the lyrics, um, Old Taylor can't come to the throne right now because she's dead I was like what is going on I think we all <laughs> what have is going on, on? like I, I don't want you to be dead like because what are you doing <laughs> and I was just like I was kind of nervous for that album to come out I was like please don't do like, I've defended you my whole life, please. Um, so then when um, a pastel theme came back, even on her Instagram for lover, I think everyone kind of had a sigh of relief. Huge
2: sigh of relief. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess yeah. final uh, credentials-based question for you before we dive into this, because as you know, you defended her all your life. You're a huge Taylor Swift fan. Uh, do you find it difficult to defend her? Because like, my whole thing is that I find it difficult to warm to her as yeah. a person. And I find it difficult to get past the whole machine, the whole gloss, uh, I guess for a fan like yourself, that's probably not in the way so much, but, like, do you have this kind of conflict of interest there sometimes, maybe?
4: Um, Like, I I have, like, here I've written down that, like, her dedication to keep her fans interested is, like, something I've never seen before. So, like, even if someone, like, even though you guys might not notice it, like, for me, it's, like, there's nods to everything in in her songs and in her music videos and in her Instagram posts that only like a really dedicated okay, fan amazing, would yeah. recognize.
3: So it's like a fan service. Yeah, like really. so it's like
4: it's almost like she doesn't care about what the non fans think because her actual fans are so dedicated that it's like I mean she sells she sells out like yeah. Every, so like she's every, solidifying everything.
0: her base, like Trump, for example. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <continue. laughs>
4: um, but uh, I I mean like I uh the. I think there's celebrity drama everywhere and I like that whole Kanye Kim her Katy Perry stuff like even I was like what is on like what is on <laughs> I don't care anymore no one cares yeah. anymore like yeah. no one actually cares anymore do you know what I mean and I do think then she was in a um a difficult situation whereby I don't know they were all tweeting stuff but she was taking a social media like she wasn't tweeting or like she avoided interviews for five years so like how can you defend yourself if mm. you're not doing interviews and stuff like that um, so it's just a hot mess, really. It's
2: exhausting. It's exhausting. It is, it is exhausting. Let
4: me... and then, but I think as well, <laughs> I think, like, for me, I'm just like, but if you listen, like, she's a song called All Too Well uh, and it's, like, six minutes long and, like, the lyrics in her are unbelievable and it, it like, bothers me that someone's like, oh, you, but, like, that king character, and I'm like, but, like, she's an unbelievable songwriter. Like, I don't care about any of that. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Let's find out how unbelievable her songwriting is because I'm going to open it out to the room now, especially because, actually, yeah, I've just copped that neither of you have reviewed a Taylor Swift album on the show before because no. you were away, you weren't a full-time member. That's right. Oh, you're a big pop album guy. Yeah. Where does this rank for you? Uh,
3: so, like, Taylor Swift has kind of always been a strange one for me as well because um, I would say that that I was never able, a bit like David, wasn't, I wasn't able to grab a kind of a, a very clear kind of identity and it feels to me like there seems to be a continuous thing throughout Taylor's career where it feels like she changes up kind of how she's feeling and and how she's kind of talking about herself kind of consistently almost from song to song and that was one of the hardest things getting into this, this album as well for me was that um, obviously it's, it's quite a long album it's like what is it 18 tracks long mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it has it has a very strange thing where there's kind of like I forgot that you exist it opens up and it has this like really cool kind of like attitude kind of thing where she's kind of it's like a real kind of a sassy kind of comeback and it isn't love it isn't it's just indifference yeah exactly and it's got this like <laughs> real. Oh my cool, I was like okay cool okay so this is this is the type of thing that we're going to get through and then just throughout the album as it goes along she has like appealed to such a massive wide kind of slew of audience and styles and people that I found it hard to grasp kind of like both who Taylor is as a character just based on her music and like what she's trying to say in one entire album because the the big problem and i think you've kind of touched on it mm. is that people judge taylor based on the drama that's around the actual thing and 90 mm. percent of the time i find that the pop music musicians that i really really like you're able to tell just from their music who they are and what they're trying to say that was my biggest problem with this album is that like there, there seems to be like a continuous thing where it feels like I don't know who she is, if Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And that being said, like, I think there's a couple of really, really good tracks and I think there's a couple of really, really bad tracks and then some in the middle, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, seeing as we're laying out all our cards on the table um, as the creator of the Craig on Kanye segment (laughs) on this very show. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I've been a bit of a Taylor Swift naysayer probably over the last few years. I'm, you know, um, much of a tay <laughs> <laughs> That don't was great review, Please. everybody. I hope <laughs> you enjoyed it. Please don't turn uh, microphone off now. And I was, uh, the one episode of the show I was glad I wasn't going to be on was the Reputation episode because I was like, I can't be doing with this album. I kind of knew what was coming. And actually, ridiculously, that had nothing to do with her prior music because I was a big fan of 1989. I think she is a very talented songwriter. But she kind of got caught in this storm of like TMZ stuff and like the memes and she was trying to control it by getting involved and adjusting her music to that and I don't think she could really pull it off and that kind of uh, bore fruit on reputation but I think this is actually kind of a qualified success like I think Mm -hmm. it gets her back on track I think for a lot of it she plays to her strengths um, and you know not just the kind of songwriting which is there's some really strong stuff on this. It's it's too long and it is patchy, but I think the kind of tonal shift has been really well done. Hmm. Um, I mean, there's still some kind of like bad habits that I think she's picked up, and I don't think she, I don't think she's great at, at the kind of um, I'm a pop star. I'm going to be meta about the whole situation now. And you get some of those clunky lines, and you just kind of have to breeze past them. But by and large, I think there's some great stuff on this. It's it's an album of two halves kind of the first half is, I think is very strong it yeah. loses me a bit in the second half um, but there's enough here where I think definitely for her fans she's kind of gotten back on track I think production wise we've got more of kind of Jack Antonoff and again at times there's a lot of him taking the reins and it just reminds you of Lord and other like a lot of her peers and I don't think she excels when she's trying to get into that arena either but when she's just being herself and the songs that you can tell started not from like a beat or the synths but from her on guitar they're very good a lot of them so yeah I think I think this is definitely a step in the right direction
4: uh Okay, so yeah, I'm definitely like reviewing this as, as the Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> um, I really appreciated the nods to old Taylor Swift, so like things like Lover and um, Soon You'll Get Better, like those are ones that I was like, oh my god, old Taylor That's isn't like really dead. old yeah, stuff, almost like country it's, Taylor, yeah. Yeah, um, and I think it was it was the perfect mix of 1989 and and uh, Red and Speak Now kind of mixed together. Uh, but I think it would be a really good. 13 track album or oh, sure. like yeah. 14 track maybe because even I was going through it before I came and I was like oh I can't talk about that song because I haven't actually fully, fully
3: gotten got it to into it, it yet yeah. yeah. do you know what I
4: mean or like And there's songs that I go to straight away, like when I'm going to work, like I listen to Cruel Summer straight away. I listen to, you know, like, I don't know, Cornelius Street straight away. But there's others that I'm just like, and when I listen to any album, it it does take me a long time to kind of fully gel with every song. Mm. But like, this could take me a really long time because, and I'm delighted there's 18 tracks, don't get me wrong. But (laughs) in terms of reviewing it or in terms of like showing it to someone who isn't a fan, I'd be like... Uh, like I think the first five songs summarise Taylor Swift like I'd be like okay listen to the first five you have like some pop songs in there you have some you know emotional songs in there you have some happy songs in there and then that's all you need to know and then I think anything past uh The Archer is kind of like when you have to, when ones. you have time, get to that. But listen to those first ones first. So it
3: should have been an EP, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> like I think the Archer is is a, an amazing track. Anyway. It's a good yeah. track, oh, really? although
2: it's doing that thing that you said last week about Bath for Lashes. It's just taking eighties aesthetic and playing dress yeah, but not doing it's much kind with of it. I do of like substance. the song. It sounds good, but it's it's that and it's also like oh, you've been hanging out with him quite a bit, I right?
3: I Like the vocal melodies, the way she delivers on on the Archer is like a much more kind of considered style that like I really really liked. Um... I think you're I think you're right about the length of it and like the weird thing is I was kind of thinking like I was trying to figure out like what makes a really really good pop album and the, you've like, already started of the thinking things, of it, <laughs> about it. <you. laughs> but like one of the problems is like I mean right <laughs> yeah I've only just started uh, like, now. what if you can make an album of pop songs <laughs> that would be vinyl fresh. pressed on the album that's coming out in two months but one of the big problems with like modern pop music at the moment is obviously you have to do this the streaming thing, right? Yes. Where you would release 18 tracks mm. because you're gonna get into all these playlists and it takes forever. Like if this was done, say during like the red era or mm-hmm. like you know, like older, older. T- what this would be would it would cut out. It'd be like 10 tracks, and then she'd release like a deluxe version, like. Eight months later, or something yeah, like that, and then weird. suddenly that's all the extra tracks that you wouldn't usually get it. Because she
4: always right? do, she always does a deluxe version. Yeah, um, there's
3: with, an with a lot of extra
2: and on Spotify, the, which is bizarre. Right? The, with she the intros, lyrics, like, yeah. she's just like, you know, hey everyone, you know, I'll have a great time. And it's like portrait <laughs> mode on your iPhone, and then it's just like it's it's Taylor's uh, chosen selection of songs from the album, and then it's just the album. Like, which
3: she's done that before, and she's done that in previous albums as well, right? I think there's one for each each album. Really?
2: Yeah, yeah. We
3: also need to talk about Pitchfork
2: because. Because Pitchfork, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in the last six... or They've reviewed every Taylor Swift oh, album. They have gone yeah. and yeah. they it have reviewed be. from scratch every single Taylor Swift album. It's been a total propaganda campaign. Now, obviously, Pitchfork was sold to Condé Nast. That's going to open you up yeah. a little bit more to the mainstream. Fair enough. But it's so transparent. And like, I think their Features Editor, Reviews Editor, would like, put up some tweets being like, if it was up to me, we would have reviewed them back in the day. Blah, 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 blah. But it's just like... It's a barrage because, like, you're literally just, like, on Twitter, you're just getting, like, every day or so, you're getting a fresh batch of, and on Red, Taylor is perfectly Taylor. And I'm like, (laughs) and even, like, yeah, there's some criticism in there, of course, but it genuinely felt bought. It felt, and I was like, really? Like, you're trying to get the pitch for it? All the replies are like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, it seems weird. Not the pitch for Can't Review Pop albums. They often do. But, like, it's very strange. I don't know. And did they review this up? Yes, I think it got like a 6.7 or a 7 or something. And, and they were like, it's pretty good. But yeah, so I mean, ultimately, there's always going to be that kind of corporate cynicism with her regardless. I mean, I've said before that she should have a fucking TM next to her name at all times. But of course, she is a real human being, if not necessarily a real hero. <laughs> <I'm great. laughs> and, but yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised by how much I didn't dislike this. Oh, yeah. sick.
4: <laughs> yes, that's all I wanted. There's good stuff on oh, yes, here. I can leave. See you later I'm off. No, that
2: doesn't necessarily mean... That it's a recommend. But uh
4: <laughs> No, but that was the most positive thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> well, I no, bet- not I not even my tattership, <laughs> just, <laughs> in just general. In general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean like this is just character assassination every day in my life here guys <laughs> you uh, bring me you to like your podcast right <laughs> it moves at a clip there's some very good stuff on it I actually really love the penultimate track which is called It's Nice to Have a Friend yeah the production is, that's great it oh, sounds, that's I mean. sounds gorgeous and ones. I thought it was very melancholically very understatedly nicely done um, and also I don't know what it is but like I kind of like when Brendan Urie shows up and oh no don't, don't say it 618 tracks in I'm like yeah you know there's a bit of bounce off this
3: one <laughs> a bit of bounce off this <laughs> one so, like, but that was one of the weirder things is that like me and you need to calm down sound so completely removed. from I hate you yeah, need to calm they're down terrible. Terrible.
4: still. Okay, so. um I'm not saying I
2: like me, but it has some joy de, de vivre. I, I cannot that believe line you as well. like
4: me. I can't
2: I don't like that. it. It's <laughs> like I don't like me. even it's like it. Right, I, okay. <laughs> I don't like it. It's not going on my best of 2019 long list or anything, but uh, it's got like spoilers. <laughs> it's, got certain, it's got a certain charm to it. So
4: like, here's the thing. Her lead singles, or any... Well, not any of the singles. A lot of the singles she releases from albums do not reflect the album in any way. Like, look at Shake It Off in 1989. Yeah. Or, like, you uh, Look What You Made Me Do in Reputation. Me and Lover. Like, they never reflect. We're like, what's the one? Uh, we're never getting back together in red. Like, what was that? Yeah. But, like, so when That's I true. hear... everyone was like oh geez, what do you think of me I was like it's fine I trust her I know what she's doing like she makes these radio ready singles and then it's like grand we've ticked them off now I can go and write my songs
0: I think the lead singles are prime examples of her really trying to gauge the conversation around her and then responding and being kind of clever and above it but it never really comes off Mm -hmm. like she's at her best when she's writing really personally not about the kind of tabloid Taylor but her actual life Uh, Like, you know, Soon You'll Get Better, which is better than Mother, Um, who's dealing with cancer, is really good. It's nice to hear Dixie Chicks have been let out of Guantanamo or wherever they (laughs) (laughs) are.
2: She did did a long interview with Laura Snipes in The Guardian and I think it was in an interview that she said that she like she was like I really respect the Dixie Chicks for standing up yeah. against George Bush back in the day and she was like but it, it's it's horrifying to me that that killed their career and she yeah, was like totally. I obviously have obviously had to be very very careful but I don't want to be that person anymore I want to come out now and say things and so that must be a, a very obvious nod to try and get them back yeah. in and that's, so, but, but that's one yeah. of the main
3: issues as well with the record though is that like you know she's she's slightly more leaning towards more kind of political commentary like obviously you have the uh, uh, the one the London man, boy I instance. think it's called okay <laughs> so first of all London Boy right can you imagine if she had written Dublin Boy and how <laughs> yeah. shit that song would be it's can you not as bad as Galway Girl I will say that for it, it. it. it is not as yeah. bad as but Galway it, Girl but it, it is it's close in the same, like, I, I imagine like, Dublin Boy imagine how shit that would be with London
4: Boy like, like you can like, like London sounds pretty you know you can be like High Street, I don't know, like West End, but like, what would you would be, like? be like here? You'd Temple be like Lombard <laughs> Street. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, let's go for a walk and you'd down Lombard have, street. you probably have
2: like, you'd have yeah, Emma yeah. Kerwin in the Idris Elba yeah. getting a copy <laughs> oh, of Trinity. God, yeah, Idris fucking Elba. James yeah. Corden's
0: little chuckle what? as well. Oh, <laughs> What's going yeah. on with Idris Elba being like, ah, oh, you can get on my scooter and we can go around London? Right? I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's taken from fucking Carpool Karaoke. Is it? Yeah, that's James Corden laughing oh, back at him. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's upsetting. That's but, a bit random. So then with that one, and then obviously the man, then, but like, the man, obviously, if Taylor is speaking to a more conservative kind of right-wing section of her fan base or something then it's probably good that she's trying to yeah. introduce sexism mm. to them. although but I think it's that's so an example. Base level that it's yeah. like like it's it's only just commentating on it it's not actually mm. dissecting can it we really anyway. so but
2: can we really ask for much more from a Taylor Swift
4: though it's so the thing is um, I read the L interview, I think it was the L interview or it could have been one with Vogue. And um, so she got a lot of criticism uh, in 2016 because she didn't say who she was voting for. And because hmm. she didn't say who she was voting for, everyone's like, she's voting for Trump, Trump, voting for Trump. Um, and she's in an alt-right
2: the, icon, remember and that? In
4: the Yeah, remember that? Anyway, in this interview, she said that she voted for Hillary and that she... She said that she was so hated that if she she was like if I if I say I'm voting for Hillary, I could ruin this. Like I could make it even worse well, than God, it is. Like <laughs> but like imagine, somebody. like imagine being like I am so hated.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's no winning basically. There's really. no winning. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? So, I'm less um, like than Hillary Clinton. <laughs> so like I do
4: I do think that like that's slowly creeping back into politics thing. Like even though. We're complaining about it. I think it's like almost her safest bet right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I think you're probably right. It, it, like, and again, like it's it's even just the slight tick over is mm. is a good thing.
4: You also have to remember that she came from a fan base that is Tennessee. Yeah. She like her. Well, yeah, and and this like, would be
3: the point that I would make. Yeah. Is, that, is that basically like you know you have to think less about say Taylor singing to people like us, and yeah. you think about like a lot of her fan base who would be like really really deep side kind of Mm. American but is that
0: still her fan base I don't know if it is she's so like in the pop sphere now though I don't know if
3: she's also like really playing up the Nashville thing for this as well she's like she did all her main interviews in Nashville Mm. and like there was the whole NFL announcement of the album and stuff like that and like (laughs) Mm. I don't know she is I think she's definitely like leaning into the American sweetheart thing Mm. again right I mean
2: yeah Yeah, for sure and also one last thing I guess even another kind of sidebar because you know for better or for worse, with Taylor Swift, there are always a million sidebars and kind of tentacles, I guess, to, to try and wrestle hold of. One of which tentacles. is...
0: Tentacles. <laughs> That's <laughs> not that bad day, Jesus.
2: One of which is uh, Stans and Stan Culture, which continues to fascinate and upset me. Uh, you have all these Twitter accounts out there with like Taylor Swift avatars and Lover out August 23rd, yada, 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 who then pollute other musicians' Twitter feeds, which is ridiculous. But... I don't understand when they like the stands who obviously worship her seem to want to fucking like suspirious style just consume her because she tweets here's my interview with Laura Snape I loved doing this yada yada and all the replies are announce the man as next single announce lover as next single or we unstan announce this as your next single or we unfollow bitch you better announce it and I'm like first of all why does that matter in any way? And second of all, <laughs> you fucking entitled cunts. Like, whoever the fuck they are. And I'm, I assume they're bots. Like or could bots they be Russian whatever. bots? Yeah. What's going on? But like, like what an unhealthy thing. Mm. What a horrific I thing. I think, though, so, like... I feel sorry for
4: That you. is... But that is every pop star yeah, it is. Like, but, is but it's is, so is it, but fucked it's BT, up but it's BTS, BTS. Yes. that BTS is lethal. next yeah, level yeah, yeah. like Ariana Grande Justin Bieber everyone One Direction like, yeah, we're insane. like months
0: away from the likes of BTS having their own armies that actually yeah. physically get out on the streets <laughs> like, and yeah. take down small yeah. nations just for a record
2: we're pretty much BTS fans on the show so don't go oh, yeah, us oh yeah that's something to do with BTS uh, yeah so I guess back to the album uh, real quick yeah I, like, I think it's <laughs> some real quick
0: <laughs> in the
3: album review
2: section <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think okay I think overall the songs are expertly constructed and unlike reputation they didn't leave me cold i don't know if i'm going to go back to it i don't know if i'm going to isolate it too much i still find her difficult to warm to i still question a lot of her motives and motivations and everything but at the same time if you want a pop album Mm. in 2019 that does the fucking job i think this is a pretty decent one and i'm giving it a six out of ten
0: yeah, I mean, you know, for the first few listens, I was listening out for, like, Kanye references and stuff. And there's quite a few. I mean, you have Krill Summer. You've got kind of Wolves. Or I turned into, like, Russ Cole in the storage unit, just being like, oh, that's, that's a Kanye <laughs> thing. Um, and after a few <laughs> listens through the whole album, I was like, a lot of that kind of annoying stuff faded away. Um, I was kind of charmed by a lot of it. Um, I think it's maybe half pretty great and then half questionable. So it would be five out of ten, but... Feeling generous, probably a six out of ten album for me. <laughs> just back from the your holidays, you're in a yeah. Good I'm mood. still in the tipping mood, yeah.
3: Dahi, um, yeah. Like I mean, I probably come across as probably the <laughs> most negative person out of this. I've just realised, but in general, like I enjoyed a good few of the songs. I've just my main frustration is I like I like. When I and I I can see what a pop star is trying to say on one singular album and nothing else, and that frustration kind of came across with a lot of these different tracks, and it feels a bit disjointed to me. It does feel like a collection um, of songs. I yeah. know that
2: sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but you, like
3: you
0: like you know when it feels. Well, there's a all this loose. stuff
3: this year is like people talking about mixtapes, and this would be if I had to like kind of decide between an album mixtape, I'd be calling this a mixtape.
0: I feel like this is a playlist, to be quite honest. Oh,
3: <laughs> <no, laughs> it's a wow. bit of a Craig special wow. as well. It's a Craig special in that you could pick out like Maybe a really I'll good down, album yeah. out of this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you totally. It's the life of Pablo <laughs> uh, I, I'll give it a, I'll give it a six as well uh, I will come back to some of these tracks for sure
4: um, so you guys are kind of viewing it as like an album uh, but as a fan uh, <laughs> um, no I mean like 12 hours like, like,
3: <laughs>
4: but uh, I mean like she's released these these um, these albums in Target that have like uh, pages from her diary and stuff oh, so yeah. like she has these four deluxe albums that all have 30 pages from her diary, which is 120 pages from her diary over the years. And like, when you've been a fan and like, I saw one of the pages and it's like, it's from the night before the Grammys when she doesn't win red, and she's like, "All the things I would do to ha- to hear album of the year is red," and like she date, and that's like the date beside and stuff like that. So like, as like a fan who's followed her for so long to actually be able to see her thoughts like for yeah. for the past like decade.
3: So you're reviewing the era. So well,
4: I'm reviewing the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, her soul. I'm, gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna rate like just uh, lo- love her as like a package that she yeah. has like kind of released now. So like. Just everything from like all the little she calls them Easter eggs, like the like like you have in like games and stuff like yeah. the Easter eggs that she's put everywhere um, for this album. So I am gonna give it um, an an eight point five. The only reason I'm leaving out some marks is just uh, the length of it. It would be such a wholesome album if there was just a few songs that I don't haven't warmed to yet. So it's 8.5. All right. There.
2: Thank you so much for coming in, Alice. Thank Great you very, very much. This episode of No Encore was engineered by Eve Murray. In the other listening corner, Craig, what have you been listening to?
0: I'm I'm still persevering with trying to get into the Grateful Dead. It's really tough because it's so daunting and it's all like bootleg concerts for like the last few decades. But there's a good playlist, which I might tweet out. So yeah, Grateful Dead, mate. Alice, apart from Taylor Swift, have you been listening to anything?
4: Um, I, would you believe I have? Um, and I have been listening to Row. Irish Artist Row recently oh she played um, that oh, festival you were at yeah, yeah. Um, so really liking it really liking it
3: Do Dahi Uh, Tandon Felix all day long. Uh, He has a new track out last Friday, or like a track that was released on YouTube as a live video, and is now um, a uh, full Mm. single. And it's definitely worth a listen. And I cannot wait for his album, which is in October.
2: I'm very excited as well. I have been listening to Marilyn Manson because the new 1975 song reminded (laughs) me of
3: it. And I went back to a big playlist I made about Marilyn Manson,
2: and I'm like, fucking hell! Like you you step away from Manson for a while, you forget how great some of his songs are. Like some of the songwriting is genuinely exceptional. Like you know, whatever you think about him as an individual. Some great stuff there. I've also been listening to the new Elbow album. That Why? doesn't sound like something I would do. Why? I've slagged them off many of the time, haven't I? Go on. Stay tuned. Ooh. Stay tuned. <laughs> I interviewed Guy Garvey from Elbow. Sure. And yes, listener, I know I've said bad things about Elbow before, but that does not... Did you say them to his face, did you? Of course not. That does not preclude me from interviewing an individual. Who, just because I, like, I have a musical, you know, dislike for it. Sure. Just music. Anyway, <laughs> uh, interview guy Garvey. He was really fucking sound. Of
3: course he is. He's, and like, yeah, he's and such an obvious. Sound also man. very
2: interesting. And uh, yeah, that album comes out in October, and that's when the interview will come out as well. Cool. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, our of this week. Uh, one of those weeks where I forgot to do it, and then I found one. Uh, thanks to the Northern Nine website for their compiling of Irish songs that I was too lazy to go and find one myself. <laughs> uh, Luke Sharkey from Northern Nine, who I like quite a bit. Good mm. writer. Uh, good ear as well. He picked out a track called Blind by a band called Never Wait, which I'd never heard of before. They're a kind of alternative three-piece. And this track is kind of bizarre. Like, it's very produced. It's got, like, big fucking auto-tune vocals all over it. And there's a weird sense of emoness to it, which kind of appealed to me. Uh, on first listen, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. I like it a bit. Um... As Luke notes, you know, it's still a work in progress and he thinks it might lean a little bit too much toward the, the theatrical. But there's lots of little kind of clever little touches on it, so I enjoyed it. This is Blind by Never Wait. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore back next week.
1: Unboxing all the light from inside your mind you
3: podcast is part of the head
0: stuff podcast network
3: the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with mickey d's breakfast the perfect pickup deal there's a
0: deal for every morning at mcdonald's
3: Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.